So, um, how are you? What's up? How did this land? I was thinking about uh, about integrating mindfulness into everyday practices, like you know, everything to everything. And I thought to myself, that's I know I've got too much going on. I have to compartmentalize it. <laughs> And then, of course, I laughed at that statement because it's silly, you know. I mean, it's easy to make it part of your daily routine. And I was fighting it, you know. Like, I, no, I'm, I've got to make time for it. I could do it in the morning. I could do it, gosh, you've got to get up so early to drive to class. Maybe you could do it in the, you know, I was just running through all these places in the day where I could fit it in. Instead of just, you know, I I think there there might for me anyway there might be some merit in setting aside some time. There might be because you know the quiet time that we do is a very different thing than when you're doing that as a part of many other activities. Yeah. You know, um, and and um, so there there may very well be a lot of merit in being able to do that, but you have to do it in a way where it's not making you more crazy. You know, where it's not actually adding more pressure into you. I don't want it to be something I have to do. Yeah. But something that actually is supportive and allows the whole system to unwind and to relax. Mm -hmm. So how was the trip? (laughs) (laughs) You were saying that you've made... um, uh, books you've you've made audio books I was just thinking about that yeah I'm uh, when I I'm it's, I'm surprised because I thought that maybe I would be a better reader once I started meditating like it would help me you know just stay focused but of course my mind's always I'm rereading paragraphs and everything so I tried since I have such a long drive I tried reading chapters into my iPhone and then playing them like an audiobook on my way on my drive and it was really helpful. I mean I retained a lot more than I normally would have because I read it out loud which is good because you're connected to it but then I also listened to it passively while I was driving so I think it's a good idea. It might work out. (laughs) And people in my class are like we could sell audiobooks to the next class. <laughs> I'm like, that's not, that's illegal. <laughs> anyway. It's not weird that it's you It is kind of weird, yeah. 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 But I think I, I think, you, I don't know if you saw my post on Facebook, I said, it gives me meaning to, uh, oh, he just likes the sound of his own voice. <laughs> <laughs> Four hours straight. We'll create this new black market of Scott Key Vault right by. <laughs> um, working with distraction is a part of meditation, and it's an interesting thing to get a handle on. You know, so one of the reasons why we get distracted is because we like the dis- we don't like the discomfort of staying with something that feels uncomfortable. 
So, you know, when we're not retaining information very quickly or we have to go over something a few times or we're feeling a little bit tense, you know, these are all situations that feel a little bit uncomfortable. And it's often the case when we feel a little bit uncomfortable that our first strategy is to not bring our attention to what's uncomfortable, but to bring it someplace else. So the lack of focus can be a measure of not being able to tolerate the discomfort as one's learning a new material. And it's true with any material that one is learning. There's a kind of learning curve. And it feels like, you know, one doesn't get it, one doesn't understand, that you have to put in a disproportionate amount of energy in order to get any kind of return. And that initial period is stressful. It's stressful. That's It's stressful. We're learning something new. We don't actually know how to learn it yet. We don't know how to... Re- we don't know the material yet. We're learning something new. And how we each process stress is going to be a little bit different. But that distraction, not being able to focus one's attention, check it out. It might be because you're feeling uncomfortable. And so if you can just for a moment just bring attention to the fact of where is it that you feel uncomfortable and soften around that, relax into that, breathe with it, bring attention to it directly and see if that helps give a little bit more capacity to be present with what's uncomfortable. I mean, there's, there's ways of learning how to learn, you know, and there's, there's systems and there's ways of supporting that. And one of them is to actually increase the stress. So, um, you know, I know there's a whole thing about learning new um, subjects while you're on a rebounder. Because a rebounder, going through acceleration and deceleration of going up and down, is stressful. And when your system is under stress, it actually retains information faster than when it's not under stress. So if you increase the stress of your system in that kind of a way, it increases your capacity to remember. So they have done studies of teachers who've had these little small rebounders in the class, and the kids have scored significantly better on any kind of test that they were learning while they were learning it on the rebounder. So you said rebounder. Those are those, like, three-foot-wide trampolines. Oh, okay. You can get them at Walmart for, like, $30. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you just stay in your room, and you're reading the material and bouncing up and down as you're reading it so that your body is being stressed, but because you're being stressed, your ability to retain information increases. It's one of our adaptive mechanisms for dealing with stress. We learn faster. Okay. You know? Or, you know, our, uh, when I'm learning long stretches of chanting, I'm often doing walking meditation. It's the same version of this. Uh, it's a different version of the same thing. The actual impact of the foot on the earth causes a small amount of, of compression in the system, which causes a little bit of stress that makes it a lot easier to remember. So I wonder physiologically if it's your receptors opening up. I think it's an adaptive mechanism that we have that when we're under stress we learn faster and so it's like you set it up so that you are stressed in a physiological way which helps your brain being able to assimilate information faster
So Dr. Cooper um, was running a naturopathic medical school, and he required all of the students to learn juggling um, for exactly the same reason. When they learned juggling, they did much better both in retaining information and on their scores. And so um, it's like, you know, you've got different mechanisms that are happening in your brain, and some of these things that normally kind of um, get in the way, are they're not operating. So you're short-circuiting the kind of bad habit mechanisms by picking up a good habit. It's very skillful. Very, very skillful. So, I mean, you wouldn't think juggling is a, a required course on a, in, a, in a medical school. <laughs> but if you've got a really smart person who's in charge of it, it might be. So what's weird about our society is, 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 is that, you know, for us, a, a sign of success is, is, is that we have removed ourselves from danger. And yet there's something about a danger which keeps people in an adaptive learning um, capacity um, that keeps them on a razor edge, whereas when they're not in danger, they don't have it. And when I look around to the people that I see, you know, when I come in contact with people in the city... It's like people don't know how to work with their minds. They don't know how to deal with stress. They don't know how to deal with danger. There's just this sense of, um, and that is considered successful, you know, that we've done something that's really great. And um, it's not as if I think that we should be in danger all the time, but there's something about the way that we learn where... um, if we make it so comfortable for ourselves that we have forgotten how to learn like that, then there's something about that which is also um, not so great. Nick, you've been quiet. Yeah. Now, doing the movement first was a big difference. That was really, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I should try to do something like that. Before I sit normally, mm-hmm. what do you know about Falun Gong? Are you, are you familiar with them at all? Because I remember I looked them up a little bit, and from what I understood, it's kind of like a, a I won't say reform, but just a new wave of, of spiritual practice. And basically, it's just taking core principles of Buddhism and core principles of uh, Taoism. And there's a guy, I think his name is Falcon, and but he incorporated a lot of Qigong into spiritual practice. And getting people to do Qigong in like huge groups, groups of hundreds. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you'll see like and, and like almost like a perfect um, Olympic kind of kind of display where you know people will be you know perfectly across laterally and in, in, in flanks and the, and they'll just they'll go through an actual Qigong set. And this idea of one of the big things was exchange of energy, sharing energy as a group, the entire energy set, the entire group centering themselves, and then uh, discussion on some spiritual practice, you know, either Buddhist or Taoist. And uh, and it sounded really cool because it's, it was taking that principle about okay, we can talk about spiritual matters, but if your body's not, you know, if your body's gone to kaput, you're not going to pay attention. You're not, you know, 
it all starts with, with, with having a vehicle. Um, the only problem is that the Chinese government doesn't like, you know, 50 people, 100 people in groups listening to one person. And so that all went, uh, went awry. But, but that was like a big theme of theirs, getting the body uh, ready for spiritual instruction by, by just getting it, you know, aligned properly. I think, so, you know, earlier we were talking about, you know, um, uh, an integral approach. And, you know, classically, you know, certainly within the Buddhist scriptures, there's a lot of references for bringing attention to the body. but And there's a lot of um, meditation exercises around that. But it doesn't have a lot of physical exercises that it encourages, you know. So in a traditional monastic culture in the southern school, the school that I come from, you know, the idea was is, is that enlightenment was something that happened through awareness. It wasn't something that you needed to do um, through um, movement of the body. So in, in Thailand, for example, it's, it's considered um, shameful for the monks to be seen exercising um, because somehow that's considered a distraction, um, a frivolity, rather than... Rather than um, you know, opening the body up to uh, understanding so that the attention can settle more. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the in the in the in Korean culture, you know, the the wise, the clubs, the, the 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 you know, the places where there's swimming pools and weights, they've made it an open pass. If you're a monastic, you have free access, you know, to any of those places. It's sort of like they have a, the opposite view, which is, is that you know this is important, and it's really important that the sangha have um, free access to this stuff, so that they can be healthy, mm-hmm. you know. So, in my own personal view, is, is that particularly in, in Western culture and Western conditioning in a postmodern era, is is that most of us are special needs with regards to our body awareness. That we have got to do special practices in order to, you know, to know what we're what our body is doing and to learn how to so I would love to see um, you know a program that develops um, qigong energy medicine you know some kind of a aerobic exercise training program I'd love to see a you know a martial arts for monastics you know to be developed well, it's already it already exists yeah, you know, yeah. That, that's, that's what the Chinese yeah. you know, are notoriously famous for entertainment out of it but, but that that happened for all those exact same reasons. Right. There was a need for it. Right, right. And they recognized it. Yeah, and yeah. And they, they went with it. Right, right. To develop that as a kind of like parallel, parallel um, levels of knowledge, intelligences that can be developed um, that helps ground and support the body. So one of the reasons why I love the full moon meditation vigil so much is, is that, you know, when we've been out walking for two hours under the full moon, you know, with on rocks and in sand and all the rest of that you know it's like when we come back here we're all in a different space you know the quality of conversation is more intimate more deep and you know people are not talking from their heads they have another place that they're speaking from and so I love it because you know normally it takes it takes um, you know a couple of days when people are on retreat to be able to get there but if you spend a couple hours walking in the garden of the gods you come back and you're there you know you know, and it's like, you know, we don't need to, it's like we need to not talk a lot when we're walking so that when we come back, what we have to say is coming from the right place. 
you know, I totally, I totally get that. Yeah. Before meditation, we're all going to be in class. And then we'll come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Collapse. <laughs> I went up the bar trail on one of my Monday days off, and I was like, I couldn't believe who was up there. You know, it was like, there were so many people. So I was going up the, the bar trail. They were coming down after having gone up the incline. You know, and there were, there was like lots of people, and this was Monday, you know. You know, and they were young people and middle-aged people and old people and skinny people and fat people and every kind of people. They were like all up there. It was like, it was really impressive.